So we've been making comments for five years now. That's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. When Marilyn Morrison... Th- this episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Former mayor of Caledon was fighting a political battle against development. Her friend Nancy Cole got a call. It was from Angelos Bacopoulos, who had once been the head of waste management at the city of Toronto. And she said, Marilyn, there is a, excuse me, a fellow that I know that I used to work with years ago. He phoned me and this um, Spiro... Papa Thanatus, yeah, yeah, it's a mouthful. Um, He wants to meet with you. That name Marilyn couldn't quite get is Spiro Papa Thanasakis. And I said, well, he can phone the office. I'll meet with anyone. Um, No, he doesn't want to meet with you at the office. He wants to meet one-on-one somewhere. I said, no, I won't do that. I have an office, and that's where all my meetings take place. By this point, a man associated with organized crime had tried to blackmail her husband. He had been attacked at his home, and a corrupt CRA official had tried to frame her for bribery. It's a wild story, and you can hear it all on our last episode. So when it became clear that the man, Spiro, wanted to talk about development, Morrison's guard went up. They had already told her that it was about um, getting me to change my mind. In fact, they offered her money if she could get me to change my mind. So uh, we knew what, I mean, I knew what it was about, and I said no. I said, if he wants to meet with me, phone the office, make an appointment, come and see me. So we never met. Never met. But he sure, they sure tried hard. Morrison's friend ended up talking to both Angelos Bacopoulos and Spiro over the phone. He says repeatedly, according to her interview with police, that he can, quote, make this all go away, all the problems that the mayor's having, and that he likes to get deals done, and that he's, quote, not with those people. And he's very vague. He will never specify who he's talking about exactly, um, but says he's, he's quote, a friend of the family um, without identifying who the family is. And, That's um, Greg MacArthur. Uh, so my name's Greg MacArthur, and I'm uh, a member of the Global Mail's investigative team. The meeting never happened. But what Morrison didn't know was that things were happening behind the scenes. That man, Spiro Papathanasakis, was getting to know Glenn Murray, who was a rising star within the Ontario Liberal government. 
Spiro was well-known in Murray's ward as the founder and executive director of the Cabbagetown Youth Centre. And after Murray was elected to the Ontario legislature, he and Spiro would often meet up and talk. And according to the Globe and Mail, at one of those meetings was a senior executive from Solmar Development, the firm that Morrison had been publicly feuding with. After Murray became the Minister of Infrastructure, he instantly took an interest in the politics of Caledon. And he summoned Morrison to Queen's Park, only to hector her and, according to Morrison, privately threaten her. But who was this man, Spiro Papathanasakis, who so desperately wanted to meet with Morrison? Greg MacArthur, the Globe and Mail reporter, first heard about Spiro in 2014. And um, this really weird set of circumstances took place that um, I haven't encountered before. Two of his colleagues, Karen Howlett and Caroline Alfonso, were working on a story about the Toronto District School Board. At the time, the board had become completely dysfunctional. But one day, the two reporters were talking to a source, and they were told that they were just looking in the wrong direction. As Karen was kind of sort of asking her surface-level questions, this person who was in a position to know said, the person you really want to look at is Spiro Papathanasakis. He's the big fish here. And that was that, his words were, were big fish. The reporters were confused. I'd never heard of him before. How can someone who I'd never heard of and who's not a public office holder be like the key influencer at the, at the biggest school board in the country? At around the same time, Greg was working on a completely different story about a company owned by the Montreal Mafia getting a contract with the city of Toronto. And that same name came up. This person indicated that Spiro was involved in that and he, that he was someone who knew a lot of people, and, and including peop, the, some of the mafiosos that ended up being part of that uh, contract. And I was kind of... Uh, a little bit stunned because I I had never heard of this person and I, and I was the person who was telling me. That. Greg mentioned this to another colleague, Patrick White, who had been researching organized crime. Uh, without prompting this person he was interviewing, a source, mentioned that uh, Spiro was someone who was connected in that community and knew a lot of people. That makes four reporters working on three completely separate stories all coming across the same name, Spiro Papathanasakis. So it was at that point that, like, we realized, okay, there's something going on. It's amazing that we don't know who this person is. So they started to look into it. What followed was an investigation that took four years and over a hundred interviews. The events spanned two decades and involved multiple levels of government. And all of it was dedicated to answering one question. Who is Spiro Papathanasakis? So who is Spiro Papathanasakis? He's the founder and longtime executive director of a youth center in downtown Toronto. He's an advocate for the poor. He's well-connected to some of the most powerful people in Ontario. He's someone who brags about his ability to win $100 million contracts for his associates. He's a man who orchestrated the takeover of a hospital, who openly brags about his connections to the mafia, who was the most powerful person at a school board despite not being employed by it. He's the king of Cabbage Town and a former owner of one of the oldest soccer teams in Greece. He's an underground lobbyist, a connector, a fixer. He's been called a visionary and a transformative person by Canada's foreign minister. 
he's a man who at various points appears to have wielded control of public institutions from behind the scenes. So who is Spiro Papathanasakis? He may very well be the key to understanding how things are done in Ontario. I'm Archie Mann, and from Canada Land, this is Commons. Twenty years ago, the doctors at Toronto East General Hospital had a problem. There was a clash of uh, of personalities between the doctors and and the CEO, and the doctors organized and they decided that they they wanted to essentially replace uh, the board of the hospital. The details of why they were angry don't really matter today. What does matter is that the doctors decided to bring in reinforcements. They hired a lawyer who noticed that the hospital bylaws had a loophole. Anyone who paid a $25 fee could become a member of the hospital and vote in elections for the board. If they could get enough people, they could get rid of the board, and a new board could get rid of the CEO. The doctors were introduced to two people who could put this plan into action. The first was Tom Jakobic, a longtime Toronto city councillor. And the second was Spiro Papathanasakis. The doctors knew who Jakovic was, but Spiro was a different story. On paper, Spiro was simply the executive director of a youth center. What could he possibly do for them? But by the time the hospital's annual general meeting came around, over a thousand new people had signed up to be members. It rolled around and sure enough, busloads of people newly minted members of Toronto East General Hospital showed up, many of them holding a sheet of paper telling them who they were supposed to vote for. The board had never seen anything like it. So many people showed up that the meeting venue had to be changed. And the strategy was successful. A new board was elected, and on that board were personal friends of Spiro, as well as his brother, Many of them didn't have the kind of experience associated with running an essential institution like a hospital. But they got their way. The old CEO was turfed, and Janet Davidson, an experienced administrator, got the job. Shortly after that fateful board meeting, Spiro was hired to be the hospital's new director of community relations. And Jakobic left City Hall to be the hospital's vice president of business development, a position that hadn't existed before. Even Davidson, the new CEO, found the entire situation to be strange. Immediately, like, she's very suspicious of, like, the political machinations at play here and very suspicious of Jacobic and very suspicious of Spiro in terms of, like, why do they even have jobs here and what, what value are they bringing to the hospital? She soon got an inkling of what was going on. The plan appeared to be for Jacobic to eventually become the hospital's CEO so that he could relaunch his political career. And the board started to act strange. While Davidson was on a work trip to Switzerland, she got a phone call. The board was holding an emergency meeting to try to give themselves the power to approve or disapprove of any personnel changes. 
it looked like a preemptive attempt to save Jacobic and Spiros's jobs. So she flies back um, in advance of this emergency meeting where this is going to be debated and states her case about why this is improper. It was a fight she won, and Ontario's provincial government started to hear that something was going on at the hospital. They commissioned a report to look into governance at the Toronto East General Hospital. The report didn't name any names, but here's what it found. There was a local political machine behind the board. There had been a deliberate effort by people external to the process to manipulate the board's elections. And many of the board members didn't understand their role or responsibilities. In fact, they weren't even the ones in control. Instead, a staff member in the organization was openly and freely admitting that he controls the board. That man was Spiro Papathanasakis. Shortly after the report, he resigned, and the hospital was taken over by the province. The whole ordeal was covered heavily by the media, but the name Spiro Papathanasakis never once came up. At the same time the drama at Toronto East General Hospital was going on, a very different kind of controversy was unfolding at Toronto City Hall. A company called OMG Media had a proposal. They wanted to place garbage bins on street corners around the city. And they would uh, do this for free in exchange for the right to place uh, ads on the bins and retain the revenue from the advertising. The debate quickly became ideological, about privatizing public space versus cost-saving measures. In the end, it passed, uh, first as a pilot project, and, um, and then uh, as a full-blown contract. According to the Globe and Mail, while he was working at Toronto East General Hospital, Spiro Papathanasakis let some people in on a little secret. He was involved in that controversial project. In fact, Spiro had been lobbying city councillors to approve the deal with OMG Media. He also said that the real owners of the company were the Montreal Mafia. And sure enough, in 2003, a Montreal police officer pulled over a Jeep Grand Cherokee that was registered to OMG Media. In the driver's seat was none other than Vito Rizzuto, the leader of Canada's Sicilian Mafia and probably the most famous organized crime figure in the country. The Rizzutos of Montreal could have been cast by Hollywood. Vito Rizzuto is the boss. Best lawyer of the country over here. He's the John Gotti of Montreal. Uh, he's a flashy guy, proud of his ability. Rizzuto, who is now deceased, denied any involvement with OMG Media. He claimed that he had simply borrowed the car from a friend. But the story didn't look good for Toronto or other cities that had signed contracts with the company. It was years later that the truth would finally emerge. Because later the police would learn... That through wiretap evidence and and eventually the Rizzutos would admit for tax purposes that yes, Vito's family members were the shareholders of OMG along with the CEO. Among the major shareholders of OMG Media were Vito Rizzuto's wife and his children. Spiros's connections to the deal went further than just lobbying city councillors. The bureaucrat 
within the city who was overseeing that contract was a very close friend of Spiro's, and his name was Angelos Pacopoulos. That's the same Angelos Pacopoulos who would go on to try and set up a meeting between the mayor of Caledon and Spiro. In 2003, a Toronto city councillor named David Miller announced he was going to run for mayor. Miller had a reputation as an anti-corruption campaigner, but soon after he announced he would run, he got a phone call. It was Angelos Bacopoulos. And um, Bacopoulos congratulated him and said, like, you know, I look forward to working with you when you become mayor. And, uh, oh, and by the way, if um, you want a discount on uh, any election ads on OMG bins, let me know and I'll make it happen. Miller was shocked. Obviously, this was, that was not kosher behavior for a, a civil servant, in Miller's words, to be acting as a salesman for a contractor or for a vendor and, and to indicate that he could get a discount. Miller, who went on to become mayor, reported the phone call to Bacopolis's superior at the city. In 2005, he left his position. But it would be far from the last time that Spiro and Bacopolis would work together. The Toronto District School Board is a behemoth. People don't realize, like, the school board is kind of an afterthought in the hierarchy of government institutions, but it is, like, in many ways, it's its own sovereign state. In fact, the TDSB has a bigger budget than the entire city of Ottawa. There is a lot of money at stake. And a few years ago, that massive institution was in complete chaos. Mysterious payments, hidden contracts, and accusations of harassment. This is the drama unfolding tonight at the Toronto District School Board. It's an organization that some are now describing as a snake pit. Let's bring in Dave Trafford, investigating it and uh, navigating us through this. Toronto Life magazine called it a nasty, bizarro, contemptible, gobsmackingly screwed up soap opera. And once again, at the center of the action was Spiro Papathanasakis. And again, on paper... He should have had nothing to do with it. Spiro had actually once been a school board trustee in the 1990s. It was the only time he had held an elected office. But now he was exerting his influence unofficially. Well, first of all, a lot of the individuals who we've learned about throughout the whole story suddenly end up with jobs at the school board. Angelos Bacopoulos, the former head of waste management for the city of Toronto, and the man who had tried to set up a meeting between Spiro and the Caledon mayor, was hired as the chief facilities officer. It was a job he told the Globe and Mail he got with some help from Spiro. And some of the former members of the Toronto East Hospital Board also ended up in high-level positions. Trustees would sometimes even hold events in a bar Spiro co-owned. And some of the people associated with Spiro began to get contracts with the TTSB. The Cabbage Town Youth Center, which Spiro was still the head of, received $2.8 million through a program called Focus on Youth. This could have been a total coincidence, but the man who was running the program had been one of the board members of the hospital that Spiro had helped elect. And he also says that he is a close friend of Spiro's. Or take the example of the solar panels. The Toronto District School Board was planning on making the largest solar procurement ever in Canada. They wanted to take advantage of the Green Energy Act, and they had this problem that all of the roofs across the board were in really rough shape, and they needed to replace them, and they didn't have a lot of money. So the plan was to contract a company, a solar company, that would come in, fix the roofs, 
and then put solar panels on the roof. They would pay the board uh, by giving them new roofs, and then they would have the right to sell the energy back to the grid generated by the panels. On the team that was awarding the contract, Angelos Bacopoulos. The decision came down to two companies. Normally, they would negotiate with both, but at a meeting, Bacopoulos argued that the board should only negotiate with the smaller company, going against the recommendations from a report. The other company ended up being disqualified for a conflict of interest that didn't actually exist. And now, the details here get a bit tricky, but what the Globe and Mail uncovered is that companies associated with people connected to Spiro through the Cabbage Town Youth Center ended up profiting from the deal. All of these events, the hospital takeover, the mob-affiliated contract, the fight in Caledon, and the chaos at the school board were heavily covered by the press. But in all of that reporting, Spiro's name never comes up. That's despite the fact that Spiro openly talks about the power he holds. I don't know if it's ego or what, but he, he's not shy about, about letting people know that he's influential. In 2016, Spiro got into a court dispute with a former business partner. And he testified under oath that he has the ability to influence public sector contracts in Ontario. He stated that he had single-handedly helped people win public infrastructure contracts worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, we tried to contact Spiro Papathanasakis for this story that included calling three cell phones. We're sorry, the number you have reached is not in service. The number you have called is not assigned. We contacted the Cottage Town Youth Center. She said he doesn't work there anymore. For a few years now. Yeah, okay. okay bye-bye. And we knocked on a door that had been listed as an address to Spiros years ago. But we were unable to reach him. The Globe and Mail published their massive investigation into Spiro Papathanasakis in the last few days of the provincial election. The NDP tried to make a stink about it, but the progressive conservatives who went on to win didn't comment on it, despite painting the previous government as corrupt. There were no follow-ups by other news organizations, and there haven't been calls for public inquiries or commissions. When I first read this story, I was blown over. It made me completely rethink what I thought I knew about politics. And in a lot of ways, it was the inspiration for this whole series on corruption we're doing. When Canadians think of corruption, we often think about Quebec. But I really do wonder, if Ontario opened an inquiry into corruption, like Quebec did, what would we find out? I've, I'll say this, I, I've never believed for a second that the problem of corruption stops at the Ontario-Quebec border. Like, that is, like, you know, ludicrous. For Greg MacArthur, just getting the facts out there with this story has mattered. It was amazing. Even though I've I've been a journalist now for 15 years, that you could find out that there are people out there who have no official positions within a government agency that are able to do whatever they want or, or, or appear to be able to do whatever they want. I've always kind of taken for granted that the person that you, that counselor that you elected or that person who was appointed as 
executive director of that institution, that they would be the ones in charge. Like, you kind of just accept that they're the ones, but but there could be someone else out there who has has no affiliation on paper and uh, there's no public accountability for that person uh, can actually pull strings. I mean, that that to me was remarkable. And that's, and that's why we spent the time we did on the piece and uh, uh, went to the lengths we did to report it. Today, Spiropapathanasakis no longer runs the Cabbage Town Youth Center. For a while, he was often in Greece, where he was the owner of Arachalus FC, one of the oldest soccer clubs in the country. When he became the owner of the club in 2014, he was asked by Greek reporters what he did for a living in Canada. My mother says she doesn't know what I do, he told them. That's your episode of Commons for this week. This story was originally reported in the Globe and Mail by Greg MacArthur, Karen Howlett, and Adrian Morrow. It was called Connected, and we'll provide a link to that story on our website, canadalandshow.com. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at canadalandcommons, that's C-M-N-S. You can also email me, arshi, at canadalandshow.com. This episode was produced by Kevin Sexton and me, with additional production by TK Matunda and Jordan Cornish. Our managing editor is Kevin Sexton, and our music is by Nathan Burley. If you like what we do, please help us make this show. You can support us and get ad-free podcasts by going to patreon.com slash CanadaLand.